Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Well, she's got a lot of things on her mind to talk about now. She's taking care of her voice, so you know that she's not going to shout now. No Fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast, episode 358. This is coming out to you on October 21st, but I don't know when you're listening to it. And you know what? If you're in Australia, it's already the next day. So forgive me. What is this podcast? Well, first of all, just relax. Don't start yelling questions at me. I've been doing this podcast for over seven years. I originally started it to let people know who I am because, you know, you see me on TV from different things and you're like, Who, what's the real person? Well, this is she, me, it. Um, I am part of the Misfit Toys Collective. That is a group of comedy podcasts. We all have each other's back. It is uh, started by Jimmy Pardo and Matt Belknap of Never Not Funny. So please check out Never Not Funny, Doug Loves Movies, Mike Schmidt, The 40-Year-Old Boy, and my dear, dear friend, Todd Glass, The Todd Glass Show. I think you will love all of those podcasts. They're all a little something different. If you like someone talking solo, you might check out Mike Schmidt, The 40-Year-Old Boy. Very, uh, very much like, an I, uh, I was going to say, I seem fun, a no fun podcast. Now, also, I have been a guest on all of these shows. So if you want to go find out when I've been on these shows, go go take a listen. Maybe I'll even compile it um, for you in the notes section so that you can... Yeah, you can go check out these shows. I think that's a great idea. I'm going to make a note. Um, okay, kids. So what is this podcast? I'm Jen Kirkman. I've got two comedy specials streaming right now on Netflix. I'm going to die alone and I feel fine and just keep living. I'm also a best-selling author. I've written two books. One's called I Can Barely Take Care of Myself. It's about not wanting kids. And one is called I Know What I'm Doing and Other Lies I Tell Myself. That one's about turning 40 and getting divorced and traveling and dating and all kinds of things that I think everyone's gone through. So get those books, get those, check out the specials. But here's the deal. The podcast is where I show the other side of myself. You can just enjoy being part of my weekly monologue. It's like a friend just talking to you while you're doing your dishes. That's all I want to do is entertain you while you're doing your dishes. It's sometimes thought provoking. It's sometimes stupid and funny. It's sometimes serious, but it's always honest and real. Nothing is scripted and it is not joke per minute. In fact, I don't even think you're going to hear any jokes on this, although it can be obviously funny. So, What am I talking about this week? I want to resolve an issue that we've had on the podcast involving hot coffee. If you're a regular listener, you're going to be blown away by what's been figured out here. I want to talk about the show The Vow on HBO about the Nexium cult. And also, I went to get new glasses. Very exciting story there. And I'm going to read an article about, I'm still trying to decide I think we're going to read an article about the world's oldest penguin coming in at 41 years old. 
the world's oldest penguin. So there you go. A lot of fun things to talk about. Oh, also the, uh, we might even get to the cranberry juice guy, but, but who knows? I, I don't like to say up front what I'm going to talk about because things, you know, I start babbling and then blah, 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 blah. Oh, and random, a new segment called random things that annoy me. What about you? And I, I think I need to rename that segment because it's not, I mean, everything's random. If you think about it, even the universe, can you really, can you believe how deep I am? I'm not even high. Things that annoy me that aren't a big deal. What about you? How about that? Things that annoy me that aren't a big deal. What about you? Things that annoy me, because that really gets to the heart of it. And everyone has their own. I know this isn't a big deal, but I fucking hate when this happens. So, and uh, that's it. So sit back, enjoy it. We've got some listener emails as well. Whew, what a what a day for you guys. What a day for you guys. So I hope everyone is doing okay and hanging in there. I know that this is a, I guess I heard Mercury's in retrograde. That usually means you're going to drop your computer. Things are going to break for no reason. And there's also an election in America, which, come, come on, it does affect the rest of the world. I don't want to get into it. I'm gripped. I'm in a full body anxiety grip. Not really. I'm not feeling it. I'm handling it. I call it handling it by half. I do things to take care of my anxiety, quite expert at it, but it doesn't always reduce it all the way, but it's, you know what? It's better than goddamn nothing. But I'm just, yeah, I'm in this state of I don't know. And since I'm a Biden supporter, I'm like, I guess everything will will go go back to my liking on November 3rd. But you know, it won't. You know, we still have three months of lame duck period for the president. And then also just there's so many things that are so out of control, like global warming. I mean, what am I, 100? Climate change and the fires and COVID. And I don't know. It doesn't mean that anything gets fixed in four seconds. I can't get into this. I have longer, bigger, smarter thoughts about the state of America, but I can't. I can't with you guys. Let's just talk about the size of a wine glass. Okay, I guess I'm starting this segment early. Things that aren't a big deal that annoy me. What about you? All right. I made some kind of little video on Instagram, and I have these wine glasses that I love. They are a square and round shape. And I got them, I think, at CB2.com, Crate and Barrel 2. You know, the hipper Crate and Barrel. And what I love about them, they have this very long, thin, elegant stem. Oh, my God. When I describe a wine glass, it makes me want to have a drink. For me, if you said, I can just inject with a needle what a glass of wine feels like into your butt, I'd go, I don't want that. I It's the ritual of the glass for me. That's why if I go to someone's house and, and they have just like, I know, I used to know people that would use juice glasses for wine glasses. We do that in Italy. We're not in Italy. And I just didn't, I wouldn't even drink as much because I didn't like the glass. So really thin stem, this nice kind of, big bottom for lack of a better term shout out to spinal tap and then just kind of like it's squarish though and then it is round the point of a big wine glass is not to fill it to the top you animals the point of a big wine glass is you put in like your five ounces and you swirl it around there should be plenty of room that you can swirl oxygenate the wine without it spilling out over the top. You're not supposed to fill a wine glass. I, I, when I say I'm having a glass of wine, it's probably three ounces and I just keep refilling a little, a little. I put it, I have a mini decanter. Oh my God, what a rich bitch. Honey, what's she talking about? She's talking about her wine rituals. Oh God. It's very interesting. I'm learning you're supposed to swirl the glass. Don't do that. You'll break it. Then I'm going to spill all over the couch. I'll forget it, honey. Why do I tell you everything? Anything. I'm. Th- so anyway, 
I have this little decanter. I pour what wine I want to drink in it. That also helps it breathe. And then I refill my glass with the decanter. But I, yeah, I just put a little bit at a time and swirl it. And so I was, I had the big glass and I'd poured in my like little three ounces. I was swirling. I had like two sips and I turn on my camera and I do something on Instagram like, oh, I'm just announcing this. And every comment was, oh, you must be drunk. Look at that big glass of wine you already drank. No, you fucking animals. Again, get some goddamn class. Doesn't take a lot of money. These glasses are like 12 bucks. I didn't fill it to the top. You're not seeing the end of the glass. And then I turn on the camera. Hey, everybody. Why is everyone so dumb? Why does that annoy me? They're like, oh, get a bigger wine glass. Shut up. Oh, I need one of those after a long day. Oh, it's so basic. I hate basic. Don't get me in on your dumb wine mom humor. It's not even wine moms. It's just everyone. Ah! It really annoys me. Like, it will make me turn off social media and not go back on for a day. That mean, it actually affects me. <laughs> now, if you were in my life and you're sitting on the couch next to me, I might go, why are people so fucking stupid? You don't fill the thing, obviously. And they go, I know. And then that would be it. But inside, I would be like, there's something wrong with people. And this is the end of intellectualism. So... Anyone else, what is not a big deal, but really annoys you, please, I am dying to hear. Make me feel not alone for still letting things upset me that are stupid when there's so much more important things to be upset about. And when it's just kind of mean-spirited in a way, like I automatically judge someone and go, God, they're not sophisticated. I mean, I get like inner teen angst about it. I'm not saying it's good. It's bad. That's not bad. It's not a great quality. I try not to let it spill over. into. I just announce it into a microphone to thousands of listeners. I try not to spread it. Email me. I seem fun at gmail.com. Things that annoy you that aren't a big deal, but you can't take it. What about you? <laughs> the segment name is getting longer and longer. So... I don't know. I know you heard the ad at the top of the show for my Christmas show, but it will be great fun. Um, A couple sketches and some music and, you know, it is going to be over. It's not on Zoom, but it's like this on location live like this, this thing. It's on the computer. So, you know, it's not going to look like a fucking Star Wars movie or whatever. Do those look good? Not well, it'll look like a Star Wars movie from the 70s. where you are like, oh, my God, was that supposed to be a special effect? So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but it's me. I'll be at home. I'll be with my white Christmas tree. I hope it goes well. I'm kind of nervous about it. Um, there's even a VIP thing where you can buy a ticket, but for extra. They encouraged me to do this. I didn't say I want to do it. I was like, I'm not doing the VIP thing. I'm not charging people to spend a minute with me online. And the company was like, most people want to do it. Everyone else is doing it. You can make extra money. I'm like, oh, fuck, fine. So I decided, well, I'm just going to wear a Santa beard and a Santa hat, and you can virtually sit on my lap and tell me what you want for Christmas, and I'll tell you if you're going to get it or not. (laughs) Was there just a minor earthquake? Hmm. Um. And you know what? I don't feel bad about it. I have not. I have given all my earnings from my merchandise store to COVID-19 charities this year. I've donated so much to charities this year. Uh, And I'm not just talking about political packs. I mean to actual charities Um, that, you know what? This show is going to pay my bills for January. So (laughs) who cares? All right. Well, there you go. If you want tickets, go to um, On Location Live dot com slash Jen Kirkman or just go to jenkirkman.com and click tour and you will see no tour dates but you will see how to get tickets to the Christmas show 2020 this episode is brought to you by Philo do you love TV do you love saving money then Philo is your solution 
Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Okay. So I'm watching The Vow. Now, I don't know. There might be spoilers here. I've seen, I'm up to date on every episode as of Sunday, October... 19th. And I'd listened to a podcast about this cult before, but I don't remember much from the podcast. All I remember is that it kind of turned into this sex cult and these women were branding themselves. I mean, you know, the way you brand a cow, burning, burning the initials of the head guy of the cult, Keith Rainier, and Allison Mack, who was an actress, I think, on Disney shows or something, and she got way sucked in. And, you know, you sit there and you think, well, I would never join a cult. How does it start? And what I like about it, this show, is you kind of see, at least in the first two episodes, you, you can sort of see how people might... get sucked in slowly. But here's the thing. My one critique of the show is that when they show people slowly getting into the cult, and and again, it's all editing, right? And we don't get to see every single beat of every single seminar that these people attended, which was leading towards this becoming more culty, but the cult will say, so these are the things you need to do to improve your life, but they never really tell us what they've been telling the people. Like, what do you do? What exercises do you do? You know, in terms of, do they write things down? I I don't really understand it. So that's what I'm always curious about is, is they, they keep hitting home the point that I truly understand. You don't show up on day one and they say, hey, this is a mind-controlled cult. We're going to brand you. You're, all the women are going to be isolated and they're going to have sex with Keith, who's the misogynist head of the cult. And we're all going to make you uh, feel like your families are against you. Obviously, everyone would walk away. But you slowly get indoctrinated to be in it. And one of my favorite things, if you've ever taken an improv class at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, they have this thing they call the game, which is every scene has a game. So let's say you're doing a scene where, you know, uh, someone keeps knocking on your door and each time you open it, they have a crazier and crazier sales pitch to give you. A bad bad pitch, but that's that's the scene. Now you would think, well, just stop answering the door. But the way they tell you to play the game is always keep answering the door, but find a way to justify it to yourself as the character you're playing or the version of yourself that you're playing where it's like, well, this is annoying, but well, why not? You know, it's like, this seems weird, but I'll do it. You know, that it's always that is the game is uh, I'm naming that this is very strange that the audience doesn't think I'm just stupid, you know, that the character is just stupid and like, but, but I'll give you a chance. Okay. Now, now why are you selling things? Are you, I mean, do you need a, a job? I might be able to get you a job down at the factory. You know, whatever turns into something rather than just no, shut the door. So you can kind of see how that game of the, the improv is based on what can happen in real life is if things happen slowly enough, right? We don't notice how crazy it's gotten. 
on some level, have you stayed in a relationship where you kind of know the person isn't that into you, but sometimes they are? And I don't even mean an abusive relationship. Like, let's just say one uneven relationship where you're more into it than someone else. And you kind of hope you're wrong. More evidence leads to the fact that like something's weird, but then when it's good, you're like, no, I think this is fine. I think actually that's a little different because it seems like in these cults, there's very little like, wait, something's off here or wait, is this good? I think by the time you start to get to that point, you've already been in it for so long. But from what I've heard from people who get out of things like this, they did start to question, but then there was always an answer that would go back to blaming them for even asking the question. And by then, if your self-esteem is so stripped away, then you're going to be susceptible to them blaming you for why you've asked this question. But I think one of the saddest scenes in The Vow was one of the women that this guy Keith was... I don't see it. The timeline is a little odd. They'll show these scenes of him having intimate conversations with women, but then you don't know, are they already sleeping together? It doesn't really matter. It was just this one conversation where this woman was talking and saying that when she goes to see a Broadway show, there's this joy and love and spirit that fills her and he just was looking at her and it, you knew what was coming. You get so used to watching the show that you go, I know exactly what he's going to say. He's going to tell her that that feeling was not about the musical. And he's like, well, you know, um, that feeling, it doesn't mean you love art. And her whole identity is I love the arts. I'm in the arts. I love the arts. It's my soul. It's my higher power. It's, it's you know, it's why I'm here right? Most people kill to have something like that in their life. And you can, it doesn't have to be your job. It could be your love of travel, your love of gardening, whatever it is, it's your happy place. And through that activity, you are connected to such joy that should you want, you can just leave it at that. But should you want, if you're a seeker, you could be like, what is this feeling I'm having? Is this like somehow all connected to the universe? And is this you know, whatever. But this guy does the opposite. He shuts it right down. He's like, that feeling you had, yeah, that wasn't because you love musicals. Like, that's just a distraction. It's just a feeling you had inside of you. And you have to learn to get that feeling without anything. And, you know, you have to learn to be content without anything going on. But his, his bastardization of don't make, don't let external things make you happy was so fucked up because that she wasn't saying, I won a million dollars and then bought a Gucci car and I'm happy. And he'd be like, well, you know, that's not real happiness. I mean, he was really just, she's like, you're tearing down the foundation of like everything I've ever thought. But, and you see her crying and he's like, why are you crying? He's like, I don't know. And I'm screaming at the TV, you're crying because this guy is killing your soul and he's hurting you and he's manipulating you. And your mind is being blown, but it should be blown in the opposite direction. Your mind should be blown to go, no, fuck you. Get the fuck away from me. Don't, don't tell me that everything I know about myself isn't true, but that's what he was doing. So I've really enjoyed watching the show, but just the thing that makes me crazy is... It's, it's the same thing with Scientology where they say we're, the world is fucked up and we're going to change it. But eventually this guy Keith ends up kind of convincing. Everyone ends up really moving to Albany, New York kind of. But I'm like, but how are you changing it? It's always, it seems there's one black woman in it. It always seems so white. It's such a white person thing. And I started to think because, again, I have too much time on my hands to think. What if we actually took all the bad feelings inside of us that are, you know, look, some of our bad feelings are our own thing. We're born that way. We have depression. And then sometimes just culturally, I mean, you can go through a moment where things feel bad and you're like, am I having a reckoning with, you know, that I'm part of the patriarchy or I'm part of white supremacy? And so what would you do about that? Would you go run to a cult with other white people and s lock yourselves in a house in Albany like, and claim that 
that you know how to solve the world. I mean, it, it just is so stupid to me that I feel like people, and again, this cult has been going on way longer than like the most recent political social upheaval in America where we're coming to terms with, with white people are coming to terms with that. But I'm just saying there's just something about why does it never done on them to go to a food pantry as this cult? If they're really, they know how to help other people. Why don't they go do something about racism? Why don't they? I mean, it's so strange and they, Oh, I hate it. I hate it. And so what happens is, It, start, it takes us on the journey of this guy, Keith, who originally was a failed multi-level marketing guy who was pitching some kind of, you know, multi-level marketing scheme, pyramid scheme. And I think he was in a lot of trouble, like maybe even owed a lot of money to something or he was just kind of banned from one sect of society, in other words. And then he just builds this reputation as someone with a 2 million IQ. And it's just amazing that people are falling for him. But again, you have to really respect the fact that you're seeing it for the first time and it looks so goofy on its face, but they've been wrapped up for weeks. And again, some people are not susceptible to this stuff. So I guess it is perfectly fine if you want to sit there and feel superior or grateful. But there's this scene where he's just playing this little Mozart ditty on the piano that that I played when I was nine because it's not that hard. I mean, it's hard enough that if you're nine, it's like, hey, that's pretty good, you know? But uh, overall, it's pretty basic. And he's playing it. And, you know, his whole rap is, I have a really high IQ. I'm a musical genius. I could have been a concert this, but I chose not to be. So he claims he's like the number one piano player in the world, like something ridiculous. And he's plinking and plunking, you know, something like that. And everyone's watching as though he's actually like, you know, doing something like that. And he's plinking and plunking like a child's piano recital tune. And he's like, look, I'm rusty. I haven't played in 10 years. And they're like, no, no, even your rusty is genius. I can tell. They want to believe. I can tell based on what you've shown me, which is that you can't do this. I can tell that you can do it. It is fucked. Whew. I love anything about cults. I do not like anything about murder. Cults are my thing. And it made me so scared because I was teaching those anxiety classes, or I keep calling them relaxation classes, and I just thought, God, I hope this never sounds like a cult. And it wasn't. It was me. (laughs) It's actually just me giving scientific facts about what we do when we hyperventilate our breathing or deep breathe. And taking people through that. By the way, <laughs> speaking of cults, if you want to buy the relaxation class, um, you can go to my website, jenkirkman.com and click Anxiety Bites. And you can get uh, for eight bucks a, a one hour relaxation class that comes with a PDF file as well uh, to study. It's all it's all psychology. It's all backed up. I didn't make it up. Just compiled it for you. And then uh, my newsletter, Anxiety Bites, you can read them all there. So anyway. I thought that would be funny to stick that little ad in during the cult thing. It was planned, but I, I just watching it. So then he gets obsessed with volleyball. That's, that's his big thing. Volleyball. Everyone plays volleyball at from midnight till seven in the morning. And you can tell it's just a guy who's obsessed with pain. He's obsessed with the stinging when the volleyball hits his wrist. I mean, I can see it so clearly from my living room that he's just got some weird issues. But the the other people that run it, they're smiling and let's just think of ways to not, it's all this, like you need to think of new ways to do things and, and get out of limited thinking. It's like all that shit is available to us for free. That's what I'm saying. You never have to pay for any of this stuff. You really don't. Like you don't have to pay to find out that uh, to look at things differently means you could start a business. I mean, but that's the point is sometimes you do have to pay. It's like, well, listen, I don't know how to do Pilates or dance. Well, of course you pay for that and someone teaches you and it's a recurring thing. So obviously, but something like this where it's like, 
it's, they don't actually show you how to start a business. They show you how to think about things. And I feel like you just go to therapy. Am I crazy here? Am I saying crazy shit? So, but it's, it's this thing of like, you know, when I go to therapy, I'm well aware I'm just working on myself. I hope that the effects of it will, I don't even hope they help other people. I just hope they cause no harm. I hope it's a good thing all around. But I think the point of some of these cults is, and you're, by thinking this way and reevaluating your thinking, you are saving the world. And I'm always screaming at the TV, but how? How are they saving the world? Because we're not all in in their minds with them. And just because they're having these mind-blowing thoughts, then what? Then what do you do with them? And you go play volleyball? I mean, (laughs) it seems insane. But that's the fascinating psychology of you know, getting to the point where you're in a cult. I'm going to say, how do people get to the point? Okay. So this, this woman wrote an article. I grew up in a cult and I can tell you why normal people join them. That was the other thing. This guy had a brilliant thing where people would say, Hey Keith, um, I have some friends who thought about joining, but They just had so many questions because they said it sounded like a cult. And he goes, yeah, we don't want those people. And she's like, why? And he goes, well, they freak out over every little thing. They're afraid to open their mind. He goes, if this were a cult, would I do this? Like, would I sit here and say, I don't know? I mean, if this were a cult, would we play volleyball? And they're like, you're right. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I don't want everyone. And then they get so impressed that he's so down to earth. He's like, oh, I don't want everyone to join. Uh, And if I were a cult, I would. But uh, yeah, they they see something in it that's not for them, but it's like so perfectly manipulative. It's crazy. But they always say the currency is fear that like, but it's always a crazy narcissistic leader. And I think that's what works is like there is a magic to those people. But he's saying, I want the best and the brightest. That's why you're joining. You're not actually someone who would be a victim of a cult. That's what these people are worried because they know they could easily be victims of cults. They think they're being smart. You guys are the smart ones because you're not in a cult. They'd be like, totally. Oh, my God, it was crazy. Um, But this article, How Cults Work, say that one common thread amongst among most cult recruits is heightened stress. People join during a particularly stressful period, right? So it's like, you might go to therapy, right? Oh, I'm just getting a divorce. This woman was going through this, like, I don't know what my career is. And, you know, usually you might find a spiritual path if you're doing that, start meditation, but some people end up in a cult because they think it's like therapy and meditation. It could be leaving home, a bad breakup, losing a job, adolescent stress. They can be more susceptible to when a person or a group claims to have the answer to their problems. Um, They might have dependency issues, an intense desire to belong, stemming from a lack of self-confidence, unassertiveness, a reluctance to say no or question authority, gullibility, a tendency to believe what someone says without really thinking about it, a low tolerance for uncertainty, a need to have any question answered immediately in black and white terms. And so what was so interesting is this guy... um, Mark, who is the one that ended up getting out of the cult, making the documentary, Mark was in it with his wife. And she found out that, you know, not everyone in the cult knew that Keith was branding women and having sex with them. And so, and he was also controlling their eating and telling them to be thin and they were all wasting away. And so this woman who was married to Mark, again, the guy who made the series was like, Mark, something's going on. And he'd go, well, let me talk to Keith about it. And she was like, well, no, you don't go to the guy who's doing the thing. And Keith would just say, um, wow. Okay. I mean, no reaction. If someone called me and said, Jen, um, I heard you're branding women and having sex with them and causing them to starve. And, uh, I would be like, what, what, what the fuck? No, what? I would go interesting. Well, I'll look into it. Um, I'm into this guy, uh, had this very calm energy, Keith, he, the, nothing was reactive or emotional. Everything he'd go, I need data. So when, so when this guy, Mark, the guy who got out of the cult, when his wife said to him, 
I'm hearing this. Mark was like, I need data. And she was like, I'm getting you data, you know? And it was the one thing that was able, like that, that made it possible for Mark to open his eyes, you know? And Mark was the director of that movie, What the Bleep Do We Know, which I never saw because it still seemed a little bit off to me. Like, I don't like all that stuff. I don't know what I mean by all that stuff, but I just, people that liked it, I was like, "Mm, no. So I think he was always susceptible to being in a cult. He's like, how did this happen? And I'm like, I don't know. I can kind of see it. So he's going to Keith. I'm hearing you're, you're branding these women. He's like, no, I, I mean, I don't even know what you're talking about. I, I'm, I'm going to get some data. And then it would just be this loop of Mark calling him. Have you found any data? I haven't found any data on, unlike himself. Oh my God. It was so insane. But yeah, they say the biggest part of a cult is a need to believe that everyone has a higher purpose. Or that, that they're doing like something involved with a higher purpose. So anyway, in the most recent episode, we find out Keith does this brilliant thing. And I mean brilliant bad. You kind of find out in the last episode, which my issue was, I wish I knew a little bit of this at the beginning. I wish they'd sort of backed into it where like you know what his views on women are as you're watching the whole series. Although you can, you can kind of tell that he's a misogynist, but... He basically his views are that like women are terrible and manipulative and they cry all the time and they're cold, just like his mother and blah, blah, blah. Now, he doesn't say that. How he presents it is this. He'll go, okay, everybody are, by the way, the Dalai Lama sanctioned the group saying, you know, they're doing good things for the world. And then there's a scene where he's meeting with the Dalai Lama and the Dalai Lama is saying, I'm hearing because the New York po- the New York Times or some something did a big expose on the cult and the Dalai Lama is like, well, I don't know. You, I mean, it's there's a lot of bad stuff being said about you. And he manipulated the Dalai fucking Lama. So anyway, the Dalai Lama is like, OK, I guess I'll. All right. Well, I'm not going to like, OK, I won't disown you, but OK, bye. I mean, it's not like the Dalai Lama was part of it, but they just all were in the same conference one time. Any hoosies. So this guy, Keith, goes, okay, everyone, are we ready to have the hard conversation? Everyone's like, yes. Yes, I'm ready. Some women, are you ready to hear the truth? Yes, we are. It says, men hate you. Now, by the way, I agree. But let's see what he says about it. He says, you know, you guys act so insecure It's frustrating to watch. And then you lead with your emotions and you're crying all the time. And yet there's this coldness where you can just take your love away. All these things that just sound like a fucking incels letter that he writes before he shoots a million people. And the women are crying. And he's like, and that's, he's like, I'm not saying that's what I think. I'm telling you that's how men see you. And so I go, Well, I don't, at this point, I know it's all manipulation, but I'm thinking to myself, sure, that's one way to go, right? To have an honest conversation. I'm sure there's a truth to to that in the sense, I mean, my honest conversation would be men just literally don't know what it's like to be a woman, but they don't much care to learn. That's what I just think my truth is. Um in my cult that I'm starting. So he says all that. Now that's not how I think that's how men think. And they go, okay. And he gets them all wound up into hysteria to where now they're coming to him for answers. That classic, like I abuse you. And then the abused goes to the abuser for comfort. And they're like, Keith. So even though we cry and like, we're really bad people, like, what can we do? And he's like, well, I'm glad you asked. So then he, but he never once breaks the thing of, oh no, no, honey, I didn't say I believe that. I said, that's what men think. He just now just keeps going. And they've now accepted it as truth. And I said to myself watching it, this is what male comedy is like. I'm not fucking kidding. It's this premise of girls do this, some women identify, and you just sit there and they, girls, I love you, but you do this. And, you know, that's all comedy to a point, right? I did it about married people, but I was a married person. But girls, you do this. And then they just shit on girls. 
and then never take accountability for men. Like the thing that men do do wrong is always like, because women made me do it or I have to react. It's all a weird manipulation and a magic trick. And that was also part of my unveiling. Like it was like the final level of my, uh, unveiling of just like why I've been just hating comedy lately like just the world of comedy if that makes sense where it's like ugh, I'm so tired of having to just have these opinions be facts placed front and center with these guys that have followings or microphones or platforms it's just oh god and I'm not talking about the Bill Burr Saturday Night Live thing in case any of you think I am I am not by the way, it's so weird because regular like comedians have known that bit for years. It's just everyone else is finding out about it now. Anyway, so this show is now it's getting good because now I'm just I hate this guy, but the cult is still going on. It, it hasn't been taken down, brought down. Um, there's still maybe 50, 60 people in it. I don't fucking know. Ugh. So I don't know why I got into all of it, but it's just that I'm. I'm just yelling at the TV. Show me the thing. What's the day-to-day of the cult? I just want to know. I sometimes don't think documentaries do a very good job of like, just show me the day-to-day. They they zero in on these weird details of, we're trying to get Allison out of the, the cult. And they show 50 phone calls. They show the number dialing. Brr, hello, Allison, it's mom. What? Well, I just want to talk to you. No. How do we talk to her? You know, it's like, I don't need to see like phone records or dialing. The details I want to see is just give me a typical day in the cult from getting up in the morning till night. Show me what it looks like. And they still haven't done that. I've only seen bits and pieces. And so uh, maybe I'll make my own documentary about a cult. So I'd like to remind everybody, by the way, that I do donate 100% of what I earn in my merchandise store which is held on a website called T Public every sale in, uh, every sale benefits an independent designer but then uh, so they keep a portion of it and then they send me my portion and my portion I donate to fund the front lines which is an organization helping um, healthcare workers get the PPE they need now last month we didn't raise that much it was about $286 I just donated it uh, other months we raised 1000 we're on pace for next month I think we've already raised $400 for next month so by the end, before November 1st, if you can buy merchandise, maybe we'll hit a thousand. That'd be great. And I have all kinds of fun things in the store. I have masks and mugs and pins and notebooks and stickers and sweatshirts and hoodies and onesies and tank tops and t-shirts and you'll love them. And they say all kinds of fun things. And then there will be holiday merch. There is already holiday merch in there from last year. Like you can get a fun green pillow that says, I'm just a jolly old soul trapped in a body or I'm no fun with like Christmas lights on it, uh, you know, like a pillow or a notebook or a mug. So um, sweatshirts, like really cute things. So you can get holiday merchandise now in the store if you want to uh, get that going. Just wanted to remind you. So uh, let's do some listener emails here. So I have been talking on the podcast about my issues with hot coffee and how I can't keep the coffee hot, but I don't want to drink out of a thermos because they're not cute. Now, you would think to yourself, can't you fucking pour the coffee from the Cuisinart in your kitchen into a thermos though, and then bring the thermos into your home studio and then that keeps it hot and then you can keep pouring it from there? Yes, I could and I didn't even fucking think of it, but what made me realize something This is how long, I mean, can you imagine how long I've been going on about this hot coffee thing? How long? Oh, by the way, pause. I know that last week I talked about flying cars happening in 2028 and I kept going 28 years from now. (laughs) In my addled brain, I thought it was the year 2000. Everyone's already told me about it. I get it. I fucked up. But you know what? It made it a better bit that I was imagining myself being 70. Okay, so... It frightens me that my brain did not figure out this thermos situation. Like, I really can't believe it. Like, it's shocking. And I go, well, of course people join cults because we're not always using our brains. Well, there, there's my example. So, hi, Jen, big fan, and I've been listening to the podcast since episode one. Girl, I couldn't help but LOL when you were talking about your hot coffee struggles this week. I have the same problem. I can't tell you how many tumblers I've been given from people in order to solve my dilemma. 
The thought is there, but it's not like I live under a rock and have never heard of one of these crazy new things called a tumbler. I want my coffee in a damn mug. Anyway, I digress. What type of mugs do you use? I found that glass and ceramic do not help our cause. The best option I've found so far is a super heavy stoneware type mug. I don't know the difference between stoneware and ceramic other than it seems to hold the heat longer. It definitely doesn't solve our problem, but it helps. Just wanted to pass that along. Much love and fuck the haters. Paul, Paul, I use a ceramic mug. Those heavy stone things I think are ugga bugga ugly, but Paul, you're going to die when you realize the solution has been here all along and it's not that either. Jen. This is my working from home savior, something I've been doing since mid-March here in Melbourne. I make a cold brew in the winter. I heat it up in the microwave and fill my Hario insulated pot and keep it on my desk. Oh, right. That 800 millimeter pot keeps me going all day and stays hot. I am the kind of person that likes to pour out a little at a time to sip. When I work in the office back in those old pre-pandemic days, I do the thermos thing, but I do pour it into a mug. So all we, this is an Australian link just to show you what it looks like. I'm going to slip in that I bought mine in Tokyo because I was nostalgic for those days when I was allowed to leave the country. Emma. Okay. So it's this insulated stainless server. And I realized, oh my fucking God, I have one. I have, it was a wedding gift. I have a stainless steel carafe. And whenever I have a little party and a get together, I put out the cheese plates and I put out the wines and I put out all kinds of treats. And then I have a coffee station and I always have hot coffee in my carafe. Why the F have I not thought about it on days when I'm locked in the studio for an hour and a half doing the podcast and I don't want to keep getting up to reheat. I just pour it into the carafe and bring it in the room with me. What have I been thinking? Like, it's so obvious. Even if I didn't have one, I could have bought a thermos and done this. (laughs) I mean, I'm embarrassed. I'm literally, I'm literally embarrassed. This is mind-blowing. Do you understand what has just happened? Everyone's problems have been solved who have this issue. Get a thermos and just use it to keep refilling your mug if you don't like to drink out of a thermos. Or get one of these Hario things. Or get one of those stainless steel crafts. Get yourself a fucking wedding registry. Throw a wedding for yourself and just register for one thing at Crate and Barrel. Oh my God, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot! Jen, I just finished listening to your latest episode where you spoke about flying cars. I would absolutely love for there to be flying cars. No more getting to the airport three hours early, baggage check, or sitting next to someone coughing and sneezing all over the place. I don't know how that... Oh, she's talking about because I had mentioned in the article you could fly in between states. Ever since I saw Back to the Future Part 2, I was hopeful there would be flying cars in my lifetime. Then I became a driver, a driver on Long Island and occasionally New York City. People can barely drive on a straight, flat road, let alone all 360 or whatever direction you can move while flying. Oh, she's making it crazy. I don't know if we're going to be able to do a side-to-side move. Oh, maybe. I would rather wait for that Star Trek beaming technology. Hope all is well. I'm looking forward to seeing you tour in 20XXX. Thank you, Nick. As I said, uh, I don't think I'll be touring in 2021. I know I won't. I canceled all those dates. And um, yeah, I've been doing some thinking. I'm, I'm not going back to comedy clubs ever. And I might just be, I might just go on the road with live episodes of the podcast or do something where it's like more raconteurish because uh, I've earned it and I don't want to do jokes anymore. <laughs> okay, so. That's our listener email. Oh my God, I do want to give a shout out to my Patreon subscribers, patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman to sign up. This is a great way to support me during this time. Um, I, you know, don't work. (laughs) I do a lot of things. I'm very, very busy. But this has been, you know, about a small quarter of my income. And uh, so patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. And you can join at the five, ten, fifteen, twenty dollar level each week. Each uh, amount gets you more bonuses or less bonuses. So one bonus at the five dollar level, actually three at the ten dollar level, four at the fifteen. But you get the point five at the twenty. So, and that would be in the 
a form of a weekly 20-minute bonus episode and then once a month, a big one-hour bonus. So anywho, but at the $35 level, you can get a personal shout-out from me. And this week, I would like to shout-out Joe Vey. And I hope I'm saying his name correctly. Joe Vey. Well, let me tell you something about Joe. Oh, Joe's got an interesting life story. Joe, actually, invented a thermos. Um, it was called the Thermo Turbo Thermos. And it was actually a thermos that was on wheels and it came with a remote. So if you're working in an office and someone says, uh, Joe, can you hand me those files? Boop, you put it in its little robotic arm. It goes across the floor and it hands the files. So you never have to get up. And then the beauty is you never have to get up to reheat your comedy, your coffee because of the thermos. Now, the idea didn't work because the coffee would always spill or people would be like, thanks for the files and the hot coffee. And then they pick it up and start drinking out of it. It just was a huge disaster. And the unfortunate thing is that Joe had gotten an inheritance from his neighbor. It was almost like one of those Hallmark Christmas movies. His neighbor died and he barely knew the woman, but because he used to shovel her driveway every week, he found out that she gave him her house in the will. And he was like, you know, I I actually like where I live. I, I, I like my house. And anyway, he sold her house and he kept the money and he decided to go do the thermo thermal turbo thermos and he lost everything. You know, he tried to go on Shark Tank and they, it's actually an unknown episode. Um, they, they cut his segment because they felt it was too mean. They laughed at him so hard that one of the hosts um, hit their head and had to go to a hospital. And they were just like, you idiot, like that would spill and no one needs this. And what are you talking about? And he was like, fine, I'll make one on my own. And it's really hard to make a robotic arm and to make a turbo thing. So he spent $400,000. And uh, that same year, um, by working on it inside his home, he blew up his kitchen. So he had to remodel his kitchen, you know, and and had absolutely no money. And so I know all this because I read about it in, in the paper. And so I called him up and I said, Joe, I cannot help you financially, but I have been someone who has been looking to reheat my coffee for so long. And, and maybe you could get to to work on an idea like that. And he was like, well, Jen, you just keep your coffee hot in a thermos. And I was like, oh my God, I never fucking thought about that. And I just did a whole episode of my podcast about this. And I was like, you should, you should listen to my podcast. And he's like, well, I have no money left, but I will become a Patreon at that higher level. And I was like, that's really amazing, Joe. But I heard he's getting back on his feet because he did actually get money from investors for a new invention that he has which it's actually even better for the workplace. So, you know, we're all going back to work slowly and it's a little mechanical like feather and you can send it to someone you hate at work and it gets stuck on their sweater and you'll see them look and be like, what's this feather on my sweater? And it falls to the ground and then he uses this remote and it flies back up. And it sticks on it in another place. And you can just drive someone crazy all day. And it's called the Heather Feather because it's based on this coworker Heather he hates. Um, So I think he's going to get a lot of money with that. Um, You know, and Joe, if you ever get off the ground, let me know and I'll I'll put the link here for people. But anyway, thank you, Joe, for being a Patreon subscriber at the $35 level. Uh, Anyone else who wants a shout out that, you know, you can do that. You only have to subscribe at that level for a month in order to have earned your shout out. You might not get it right away. That's why I say you don't have to stay a subscriber for a year if you only could afford it one time. Um, So there you go. Patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. Get in on the fun. There's a video version involved. I didn't do a video version this week, and I'm sorry about that. There's just things beyond my control that I couldn't do. So, um... But normally every week there's a video version. So much to catch up on. The $10 level, you can go back in the archives and see this great interview I did with Dana Carvey, the last live show I did at the Hollywood Improv Lab before COVID. 
lots of fun stuff. Stand-up sets from the road that I never released. Blah, blah, blah. Is she still talking? Yes, it's her podcast. Was this the most boring episode ever? I think it was. I think it was. I think it was. It's the most boring episode in the fucking world. Is the show called I'm So Bored? No, but it is called No Fun. All right, this could be filed under also annoying things. I go get new glasses at Warby Parker, which I love. And I get these like giant, like the frames are really cool, but they're so heavy and I have the tiniest nose. So I actually get a headache wearing them. Oh, well, but I went to get my eyes tested. I'm wearing 19 masks. I have gloves on, you know, gloves, like, like I'm about to perform surgery. And I'm going into the tiny little room with the eye doctor. I've had a COVID test since and I'm fine. I'm negs. And so I'm in the room and she's like, so what are you here for? I said, you have in my system a prescription. It's expired. I think my vision is getting a little worse. I'm squinting now, even with my glasses on. I don't need them to read. I only need it to see far, like to watch TV or to drive. It gets worse at night. You get the deal. And she goes, great. And so then she goes, uh, so what, like, I start talking about all the like all the things I'm supposed to say. And then I take a seat. She goes, and how's your day going so far? No, no, no. I thought we were done with this. No, I hadn't heard. How's your day going so far in almost a year? No, 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 no. It's like how I don't ever want to hear that fucking horrible abortion of a song. And I'm not saying abortion's bad. And actually, you know what? I shouldn't call it an abortion of a song. I should call it giving birth to eight tuplets of a song. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Horrible, 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 horrible. Paul McCartney, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? And it's a big raging debate that we have on the podcast every year. Technically, it's a good song because... The <laughs> Even Paul McCartney himself would go, uh, Technically, it's not a good song at all, but I just uh, shit it out and I make money. Okay, so... I hate it. It makes me want to hurt a flower. And I I have gone an entire holiday season without having to accidentally hear it, like walking into a store. I never heard it. And so that's kind of how I felt with how how long am I going to go? Because now that we're not in COVID and I'm not traveling anymore, I used to hear, how's your day going so far? Sometimes 10 times in six hours from the airplane and then the rental car and then the shuttle and then the checking in the hotel. And then the, ugh, I hate it. It's the dumbest question. Who cares how it's going so far. It was 9 a.m. I don't know. I'm in a mask. I'm in a mask. You're in a mask. There's a pandemic. You can guess one thing. My day is going a little weirder than it usually is. The other thing is we don't have to have small talk anymore. We've abandoned and abolished small talk because we get to have adult talk now. Like, how are you holding up in this pandemic? Are you working from home? How's that mask feeling on you? I'm sorry about this. Or have you had, you know, like, let's, t- first of all, we're not even supposed to be making small talk. If you're in an enclosed space with someone, even with masks on, the least talking possible is what's supposed to happen. So already you suck at your job. No. Second thing, you can talk about anything. How about let's talk about the subject at hand? Because I was about to say, uh, Actually, there's a few pairs of glasses that I really like. I saw them online. Do you have them in store? So when she asked me that, I go, oh, who cares? I just don't even care anymore. Now without the, with the mask on, I feel more free to not have to be polite. I don't smile. And I just went, oh, who cares? And I went, anyway, I'd, I'd rather talk about the glasses. Oh, bitch in a mask. Bitch in a mask. Bitch. I know. Everyone's going to write me. I'd wear a mask that says bitch in a mask. No. No. How's your day going so far? What in the fuck does that mean? What's the so far part? Who cares? Who cares how my day is going? And I'm never going to tell you the truth anyway. So why are you just going, hey, tell me a lie right now. I'm great. Just uh, what, what do you want? Just think of something else to say. It's not that hard. Ugh, God, I needed to get that off my chest. Thanks for being here for me, you guys. All right. I was going to read an article about the world's oldest penguin. Uh, and I will, and I don't have any commentary about it, but I would just like you to know that there is a world's oldest penguin. This penguin's 41 years old. <laughs> I was going to say it's a woman. 
She's no flipper snapper. A female Gen 2 penguin, or Gen 2, named Old, O-L-D-E, which has been older her whole life, has waddled her way into the Guinness World Records after becoming the Earth's oldest captive penguin at age 41. The species, native to Antarctica and the surrounding islands, typically lives only around 30 years in captivity and around half that in the wild. It's really fantastic to be recognized. She didn't say that. Said Danny Larson, the press and social media officer at Denmark's uh, zoo. The process of getting her recognized by Guinness World Records has been a talking point both among zookeepers and in the office. We're really proud to have old. She's very quiet and calm. She's never acted out um, on the other penguins or zookeepers. While the zookeepers don't like to play favorites, the elderly old does receive a little special treatment. For instance, they serve her fish separately so she doesn't have to duke it out with her younger neighbors. Oh, well, that's nice. Good for you. Everybody who's old like me, over 41, oh my God, I'd get my own fish if I moved into a zoo. I might try that. All right. Write me what bothers you. I seem fun at gmail.com. And the bonus episode this week that is available to the $15 level and up, I am going to be talking about a woman in Target who ambushed her fiancé And dressed up like a bride and said, we have to get married right now. So that will be this week's bonus episode at the $15 level, audio only, just a 20-minute quickie, available on patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. Again, thank you all for listening. Until next week, I feel like I'm forgetting something, but until next week, have fun. (laughs) 